Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex, and downright bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imbo. I'm a psychologist, I'm one year out of my marriage, I'm a mum, and I'm immersed in the world of online dating. Hi, I'm also your host, Monique Robin. I'm a mum of four kids and a yoga teacher trying to find men who like me rather than my limber joints. Welcome to our first episode, everybody. Monique and I have known each other since we were five years old. We do everything together like best friends do. We even got divorced at about the same time, (laughs) so how's that? Now, this podcast came about because Monique and I, we're struggling, I would say. Well, I mean, we're single, so that kind of goes to show that we are struggling with online dating. Read uh, desperately (laughs) feeling very pathetic. (laughs) And it's like it's a whole other world. Like I didn't think I'd be dating again in my lifetime. I thought I'd done with that in my 20s. No, I was so going to get marriage right first time around. We thought we could host a podcast where we can bring in experts to learn about what are all the questions that we have about how can we get better at dating because clearly we're struggling right now. And we've got an awesome guest on today's show. We uh, found this amazing clinical psychologist, Dr. Yelena Ketchmanovich. She's based in Washington, D.C. And we learn all about how we can be more successful in the world of online dating. Yeah, she had some really, really practical take-homes. So before we get into the interview, I'm keen to hear about what's been going on in your dating life this week, Monique. Well, there was this guy that I met through the Bumble app and I was messaging him and on his profile I thought he seems like a really good guy but I definitely ascertained right from the outset I was not physically attracted to him. He looked like a best friend kind of guy. (laughs) He was not my type but I knew that he was a normal good person and by normal I mean just not a weirdo. So I thought. (laughs) The bar's low. (laughs) Well, it is. You're right. Anyway, so I said to him, just because you know how you ask these rudimentary questions, and one of the questions I asked him is, so what are you up to right now? And he said, well, I'm just shopping locally, and I knew we'd already ascertained we lived near one another. And I said, oh, well, I'm on Balaclava Road getting a coffee. And he said, oh, shut up. I am too. I'm not joking. We were both on Balaclava Road. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Was he lying? Well, no, because what happened was I said, okay, let's meet at the bagel shop. He's like, okay. So it progressed far quicker than my decision had progressed, whether I liked him or not. And I didn't do all the essential screening that you should do. So anyway, we went into this bagel shop and not literally two minutes in, he was there. Wow. And it was lockdown number one. So we got a, co- a coffee and we started walking. And my, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, 
he's such a good conversationalist, but he's so not good looking. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know that dilemma where, yeah. oh, he's normal, but I'm not sexually attracted to him. What am I going to do? And we ended and he's like, oh, I really want to see you again and this and that. And then lockdown finished. And I said to him, and I'm going to call him shower guy from here on in. Yes, okay. all will be revealed. Okay. I knew that he was a good guy. And I know this sounds dodgy. It was that brief period after lockdown, but before the next one. And it was still a bit weird to go out. So I said to him, do you want to come to my place for a drink? So he's like, yeah, he jumped on that. And then anyway, so I said, I can't even remember. I said like 8.30 p.m. for a drink. I get a knock at my door. I'm dressed up, like looking like I'm about to go clubbing because you're excited to have social interaction. For a guy I'm not sexually attracted to, in my head I'm thinking, oh, am I going to kiss him? I don't even know if I could go there, but we're going to become besties. He rocks up in like active wear, sweating like a pig. I kid you not, sweating like a pig with a backpack on What for, for our date. And I'm like, oh, hi, shower guy. And he's like, yeah, hi. Um, Look, don't mind me. I just needed to get my exercise in and didn't see having I'd have time to do it. Would you mind if I use your shower? What? What? And I said, oh, um, I don't know if I, I was already borderline uncomfortable about inviting you to my place. You know, we discussed this and it, you either have two choices to use my kid's bathroom or to use my ensuite one, which would mean walking through my bedroom. He's like, oh, I don't mind whichever one you would prefer. Hang on. Was there a third option? Go home, have a shower at your home, come back. Well, he'd have to run whatever, 10 Ks to do that. And that's also another thing, Amantha. Did that mean he expected to get drunk and sleep at my place? Like just saying. Mm. So anyway, (laughs) seriously. So anyway, I said to him, oh, and I thought about it and all that sort of thought, like get out of my house, went through my mind. And anyway, I said, you know what, okay. I said it really nastily in that really sort of, you know, um, passive-aggressive voice, fine, you can use my shower, I guess. He went into my shower and I'm sort of listening because I'm paranoid I've got a stranger in my bathroom, you know, and I'm hearing clanging of the doors of the cupboards and I'm thinking, what the F? And then I'm like, are you all right up there? He says, I can't find a towel. What? He didn't bring a towel. I said, what was in your backpack? Really? You brought a backpack to my place. He's like, oh, my clothes. And then I had to direct him to my kid's bathroom, which happens to double as the linen closet. So he ended up having to go into my children's bathroom. He gets a towel. He uses the towel. And so that I'm hoping that's what the banging was for to try and find the towel. And he came down smelling like a powder puff with his new like dating clothes on. And to be honest, it just landed and I went, nah, I can't do this. I wasn't sexually attracted to him in the first place. And I just thought I want him here because he's a good person. I want to see if I can like a good person. And he just wasn't a good person. Like that's not. And so I said to him, I'm so sorry, shower guy, but I can't do this. This has put a really bad taste in my mouth. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So so he's come downstairs freshly showered, ready for the date. Yeah. And, and you're saying go. I said go. I said go. How did he react? And he goes, oh, like, I'm really sorry. Do you th-? He goes, "Did I, was I inappropriate asking for a shower? I said, <laughs> I need to get some feedback on this. But I do think it's inappropriate. Yeah, I do. But I've lost my social parameters and, and barometers. So maybe you're appropriate. And I said, I really don't know, but I need time to think about it. You know what I mean? Anyway, he's like... Oh, all right. So 
do you want me to go and maybe we can arrange another time? I said, yes, I want you to go. Anyway, I decided to call him shower guy, but he's actually now become stalker. So we can alternate. Oh, no. Yeah, he's he's been ringing me, texting me, just won't get the hint. So it's interesting. I had him at my house because he was a nice guy and I thought I was a good judge of character and look what happened. Look what but happened. Either way, freak experience. Absolutely. What about you? Have you had a good week on the dating I've, scene? I've had a week. Uh, oh, I yeah. wouldn't call it good. It started off well, though. So I matched with a guy on Bumble, and I think I sent you his photo because he looked like Hugh Jackman, and I was very excited. But I think when you say someone looks like a celebrity, it's always slightly offensive because they're never going to be as good as the actual celebrity. So he was, uh, let's call him very important businessman because that's <laughs> oh, no. what he thought he was. Amantha figure. You to call him very important businessman. This is a story. <laughs> <laughs> so we're messaging and I know for both of us we've discussed this in terms of our dating funnel. One of the aims is to get people off the the, the Bumble app or whatever app Weren't we're we using. Calling a dating pipeline. A dating pipeline and onto WhatsApp because it's far easier yeah, it's to It's an mess- important transition to make. It is. It's a big step and a lot of men fall down at that step. But anyway, I'd managed to make that transition. Oh, good. You converted him. Yep, converted him. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so we exchanged a few Even as a very important businessman. Even as a very important businessman. He was happy to make that transition. And then we're exchanging quite long text messages. Oh, and he had this weird quirk where he would finish his text messages with a rose emoji. Okay, Like weird. I was a bachelor contestant and he was giving me the rose. <laughs> yeah, okay. Every exchange. No, like you're so bloody lucky, lucky <laughs> yeah. to get, you made it to the next round of texting. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. I'm and a very important businessman. That's right, you should be happy. So he, he was, you know, he was, he was very keen, which was slightly off-putting and I wasn't sure if that was my own self-esteem telling me why. Why is he so interested or whether it was something I was picking up? And and now that I look back on the experience, now that it has ended, it was definitely something I was picking up. So we arranged to have a Zoom chat, which weirdly enough was in the middle of the day. Normally I do my Zoom chatting at night, yeah. but he had calls with Europe <laughs> because he's a very important businessman. Yeah. So we have we arranged for a Zoom chat in the middle of the day and, and I didn't have much time. So I, I had a brief kind of window and then I... I had a few minutes before the chat, so I had time to do my Google security check, as, <laughs> yeah, you, like, I as get you say. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I searched for him and I searched for his company name and I land on this website where people can complain about really dodgy business practices and there are literally <laughs> like over 100 entries. I kid you for not. For him? For him, people complaining about him like and making, his business practices. Like making claims against him or? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and my he, God. He had a lawsuit against That's him. That's actually not funny. It's not funny <laughs> at all. That it's is not, so not it's funny. It's not funny at all. But trust you to find that. <laughs> so he had a lawsuit and he did explain that in one of the earlier texts. He said he was framed. Oh, of course. So it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. Because people wanted to destroy such an important man. Exactly. How how could they? The poor thing. He was a whistleblower for his industry. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. And so I find find this website and I'm like, oh, my God, and I've just committed to a Zoom chat with him. Anyway, so I just thought, well, look. Do it. 10, 15 minutes. Please tell me you did it. it. 
I totally did it. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. to see what sort of a person is this, like is he a classic narcissist? Because I think it's always good to have experience yeah, with narcissists so that you can identify them more easily. Yeah. So we have a 15-minute Zoom chat. I keep the conversation 100% on him. He like vaguely tries to shift it off himself. Hang on. But- can I just say one thing mm. just to psychoanalyse this? Yes. I reckon because clearly from what you're about to tell me, he's not a very important businessman. <laughs> he probably did his Google research on you and – and he probably thought, oh, this will validate my story dating this one. <laughs> you know, you were all just part of his bi- very important businessman persona, <laughs> dating a very important businesswoman. Uh, yes. Anyway, yes. continue. Uh, anyway, so he's just, he's reeling off the most ridiculous things. Like I said, you know, how's COVID been for your business, uh, given that you can't do face-to-face yeah. meetings and consults anymore? And he said, you know what? It's actually been great. We're saving about $300 million in leases. I'm doing the maths in my head. Inventium has a lease in Melbourne where we pay, it's about 140000 a year, and that's for a whole floor of a building. And that's city, in a city. That's in, that's in the city, like yeah, in pride. the best part of Melbourne CBD. And I'm thinking... How many leases does he have to add up to 300 million? Is that like 300 million yeah. for the next 50 years? What? Like we're talking major alarm bells and, <laughs> oh, gosh. And then he said, so I looked up your business. I can see that, you know, you do all this work about culture. And I said, yeah, yeah, we do a bit of that. And anyway, so. Um, you get really dismissive when you're in that mood. A hundred You would have so gone, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like I can like, imagine. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about yeah, you because you I want to understand this very important business businessman who's very very dodgy anyway so we get off the phone I'm like sorry I got to prepare for my next meeting I got to go lovely chatting and at least he was good enough to go well if you want to continue the chat let me know so he kind of left the ball in my court which I appreciated and then I try to have a policy of not ghosting but sometimes life gets busy and I accidentally ghost people but he texted a couple of days later and he said look I'm assuming that you're not keen given the lack of messages but you know we've got really aggressive growth plans and I'll definitely be calling on you to help with the culture of the workplace towards the end of the year and I'm thinking yeah yeah Yeah. that'll be a client that will help not did you respond I think I just responded with something innocuous like thanks and best of luck (laughs) so that was my week in dating Okay, it is time to introduce today's guest, Dr. Yelena Ketchmanovich, otherwise known as Dr. K. She is a clinical psychologist and also an adjunct professor at Georgetown University in the psychology department, and she's based over in Washington, D.C., Dr. K has over 25 years experience as a psychologist and she's got a lot of single clients who are trying to navigate the world of dating and for a lot of them specifically online dating. Yelena also writes for the Washington Post, Psychology Today and the Chicago Tribune. So let's head to our chat with Yelena. I want to get stuck straight into it and I know you've written a lot about online dating and what, what I want to start with is what do people who are successful at online dating that are finding love, at least for some period of time, do differently to everybody else out there? There are few things that successful, let's call them successful online daters are doing differently. And first of all, what they're doing is that they are taking it seriously. For various reasons, a lot of people tend to 
approach it kind of almost in, with with ambiguity that with ambivalence they're ambivalent about it you know they might want to find a partner but maybe it's not the right time for them in their life maybe there's still a little bit of embarrassment or stigma about finding partner uh, through online means there are a lot of these as we know online and uh, platforms and apps I mean there's so many of them that it's almost hard to be serious about any single one because, you know, you start this one and that's maybe not going that well. And then you try another one. And next thing you know, you want five different apps. I mean, I have a lot of clients in the area where we practice. Uh, there are a lot of young professionals in their 20s and 30s, and they might be on five, six of these apps. And it's, it's very hard to approach then any single one of them seriously, right? And and people, um, you know, will also kind of haphazardly uh, write their profile and maybe just put a couple of pictures, you know, just p- pick them up, not really vet them with their friends, uh, not take time to maybe even, you know, choose the best photo of uh, a recent photo, hopefully, uh, or even professionally taken photo. And, you know, not take time to be, thoughtful and deliberate and succinct in their profile, especially with apps where you're allowed to write very little, as we know. Uh, it's even more important, right, to be, to be um, you know, clever and maybe a little funny and, and, and to be just really also thoughtful and deliberate and honest about who you are and what your interests and qualities are and also very much about what you're looking for. So I think that the successful daters are, first of all, clear themselves. They're they're not ambivalent. They're clear what they want, what they're looking for. And then they take that step very seriously. I mean, it's, you know, uh, there's this maybe uh, a myth that, oh, well, the only, you know, dating shouldn't be that much work, right? If love is going to find me, it's going to find me. And all, all these myths that we have about dating in general, but, you know, in, in truth, you know, it is like like having a job. You know, you, you have to put time and effort and deliberation in it if you're going to have more success. Should we just be picking one app and just committing to that app as opposed to like some of your clients who are on five or six different <laughs> apps? <laughs> I, I recommend, I mean, this is just my rule of thumb, no more than two at a time. Because anything more than that ends up uh, uh, becoming this overwhelming choice, right? Even without one app, depending how you use it, you can get into this paradox of choice. Like paradox of choice is is a psychological phenomenon very well described and researched originally by um, Dr. Schwartz at Swarthmore College here in America. And the idea is that, you know, from no choice, when you go from no choice to having some choice, generally satisfaction tends to go up, you know, not surprising, right? Well, we know that, for example, America being an example of kind of the other extreme where you go to a grocery store and there are, you know, 110 choices of detergents. Well, you know, that, that's the paradox of choice. After, you know, satisfaction goes up a little bit, increasing choice more actually leads to all kinds of negative consequences. I can relate to that because I feel that um, I have seven or eight interests going on at once and I find myself in quite an engaging conversation with each of them, but I also have four children and I'm very busy. And I might not realise that I've let a, a conversation fizzle out until I maybe get a random piece of communication from that guy six weeks later, are you ghosting me? And I'm like, Oh my goodness! I really, I actually really liked him, but it just got too too overwhelming. The it's choice too much, and it is really too much. You know, in evolutionary terms, we are not designed 
to be able to actually make sort of, you know, rationally best choice among, you know, 100 detergents, let's say, or, you know, 115 profiles a day, right? And there's there's a very recent study from Dutch researchers, Dr. Ponk is, is a lead author, um, that actually simulated um, swiping in their lab, and they absolutely found, you know, this uh, paradox of choice with dating. They were saying the more people were swiping, the more they became dissatisfied that, you know, most of the people, they don't like that much. And then, you know, they, this kind of general frustration, the satisfaction w- was leading them to be more likely to reject, you know, further prospects and to be less hopeful about finding somebody. So they were just ending up in this very frustrated, unhappy, hopeless place. And so more choice was leading to actually less success, right? So how much time should we actually be spending per day or per week swiping so we're kind of not getting into that paradox of choice? And how many people should we be conversing with at any one time? It's very hard to put exact numbers. However, again, we can talk about ballparks. Again, you know, uh, the, the trouble of a choice is not only that, you know, we don't end up being able to uh, devote attention to to the people that that we might be interested in but we also um end up having harder time uh you know picking we we end up being more picky we end up uh uh, having harder time picking few people and then we end up having harder time committing to them even short term because we always think oh there must be something better right because there's oh all these matches are coming so for all those reasons you know it really it like sabotages even the incipient you know new relationships that you are maybe forming as you as you are talking to somebody, you know, conversing uh, um, via text, and then maybe meeting them these days on Zoom, as you're doing that, you know, it's it's really important to limit other options. So what what we generally say, you know, one or two apps at a a time, probably not checking more than twice a day, you know, not more twice a day in any given sitting, quote unquote, maybe about 15 minutes or so, not this constant like, oh, has he replied to me? Oh, next 15 minutes. Oh, next half an hour, next minute. You know, that it kind of ends up seeping into your whole day and you just lose track of who are you talking with? What have you told this guy versus the other guy? You know, have, have you know, re- replied to that one? Oh my God, right? So, Does that so, happen? You know, no. no, it happens, oh, <laughs> no. It happens uh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, and only to those less sincere people, of course, <laughs> never me. I think it's happened by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think, I think we're both guilty. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If I'm being a little bit more selective so that I don't burn out with my overload of choices um, and I... Say, how much does, say, physical attractiveness play in this? I've got two questions. One, is that okay as a filter? Like am I missing out on some perfectly good guys by, say, hypothetically setting my height parameters <laughs> above a certain, but, you know, that would be if you were heightest, I'm not. <laughs> um, am I doing myself an injustice or am I not giving myself um 
you know, choice overload? Yes, yes. I mean, it's a great question again. We do some, have some really interesting research uh, in this area. And it, uh, it says this, that not surprisingly, uh, the first part is not surprising. The second maybe is a little surprising. The first part is that uh, most attractive people and richest people get contacted by far the most online. Not surprising, right? So we know that. Now, you know, does that mimic quote unquote real life? And and this is where kind of the interesting uh, finding uh, starts. And that is that, you know, yes, to some extent, but not completely, because, you know, imagine at a bar, right? There's a really uh, uh, hot woman, as you say, good looking woman, uh, drinking by herself. And then one guy who, th- who thinks he has a chance comes and starts chatting her up and, and maybe... Uh, she actually indulges him, right? And then maybe another guy's kind of you, like, you know, just kind of setting, positioning himself nearby and so forth. A third guy, you know, especially if he's perceiving himself not, maybe not as good looking, is not going to go and, and try to break into this, you know, in, into the situation because he has feedback from the context. You see, he has feedback from the situation. You know, in normal life, quote unquote, whether it's a bar or whether it's our work settings and school settings where we, you know, normally in the past would meet people, um, you know, there are there are a lot of these contextual cues, right? And so you kind of calibrate in a way, you know, are you going to have a chance with somebody, you know, are they kind of at your level of attractiveness or maybe a little higher, you know, a little lower, but, but it's somewhere around. Whereas, you know, when we're sending messages, we're sending message into ether. Right. There's no immediate feedback. I mean, you know, you might not get a message back, but but, you know, people send hundreds and thousands of messages that don't get messages back. So they keep trying. Right. So what happens is that that overwhelmingly attractive people, especially women, get contacted by people and and, you know, they don't respond. They get overwhelmed and they don't respond to overwhelming majority of those pursuing them. So you have a backlog and nobody wins. It's a kind of interesting thing to think about. So I think it is worthwhile, you know, kind of trying to engage our, you know, rational parts of our brain, kind of prefrontal cortex, and to say, you know, if I can glance anything from this profile um, in terms of what people have written about themselves. Um, and, you know, if I'm intrigued by that, maybe they seem witty or funny or something like that. And maybe, you know, I'm not that attracted to their photo right now, but maybe I start chatting with them. And, you know, I, I start to kind of get this sense that they have this other, these other qualities that, again, in real life, we, besides looks, we usually are very early on exposed to other qualities of people. You don't see in online profiles, you don't see kindness. You don't see, you know, in the ability to emotion regulate, to be a good partner in a relationship. You're not going to see any of that, right? And that's something in real life that we see in addition to physical attractiveness. So we do take many more characteristics in consideration. So I think it behooves us, yes, to, you know, lower, as you say, maybe a little bit lower our physical standards and, and see if something shows up there. And I, I want to know because Monique and I are both in lockdown and so pretty much the only dating that is available to people that are not in uh, an intimate personal relationship, I think is how the government are talking about it, is video dating or phone dating. And I want to know, like, you know, if if you've got chemistry on Zoom or whatever video chat you're using, does that generally predict chemistry when you eventually meet face-to-face, assuming that you do? Absolutely. As much as 
just looking at profiles does not predict actual physical chemistry. You know, at every level, the chances of you actually hitting it off, uh, you know, and, and feeling that click, right? So the lowest are just looking at profiles. If you start texting, okay, there's a little more chance, but still there's a huge gap between texting with somebody, especially casually, and, you know, clicking with somebody, you know, physically in person. However, uh, talking on the phone improves the, the chances of clicking in person. Zoom is as close as you can get to physical in, uh, interaction. So yes, Zoom is, I mean, you know, it's not perfect, but it's, it's darn close to actually meeting somebody in person and seeing how that goes. So I absolutely recommend that to my clients. Something else I was interested in is the traditional gender roles and what that plays in online dating, because something I find um, in, in my career life, I'm sort of very proactive and forward and, you know, trying to be in control of things. And I find that sometimes that persona leaks into my dating life. And I'm not sure whether that's a good thing because don't guys want the chase or is, is that a good thing? Because I've also heard from men that they feel like women are perceiving them to be a bit kind of predatory if, if they're, you know, oh. trying. I'll yeah. just translate Amantha. Amantha is um, a natural-born leader. She's just used to coordinating large groups of people into her really busy life, and I think for her it's hard for her to differentiate that to, in, in her personal life. And But is that okay to appear constantly assertive, whereas I take the more traditional role of, oh, I hope he suggests a Zoom and, and I hope he does, he hasn't suggested one. And Amanda's like, you know, if, if I'm free at 12.05, I'm going to get into Zoom with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, excellent questions uh, and I have a couple of answers to that. My, my first gut reaction is, if you are a certain kind of person, then there's really no point hiding it even early on because eventually that guy, let's say, uh, either likes a certain women or he doesn't, you know. And so, you know, it, it, pretending, I think, even a little bit that, oh, you know, you need to chase me and I am somewhat kind of passive or whatever. It's just, you know, might my, my work for short term, but eventually it's not going to work because, you know, there, there are some guys who, who, you know, don't go for that. And there are plenty of guys who do. So being yourself from the beginning is, is a much, much better approach. That said, I think that um, a huge trouble we get ourselves in when online dating is, uh, texting via app or maybe once you exchange phone numbers, texting for really long periods of time before meeting each other, meeting, and this can be even either via Zoom or in person, right? That's, that's the, I think, the biggest problem that I see, that people get into, uh, into these, you know, com they call them conversations. They're not really conversations. They're texting conversations, you know, with this guy, number, guy number one and two and three and four and five. And then I, you know, I always ask my clients, and so how many have you actually met? Well, you know... Nobody in the last couple of months. So what is it, this all for, right? So if after, you know, a couple of days of, you know, conversing via text, via app, uh, the other person hasn't suggested that you meet, again, virtually or in person, suggested. Suggested because that's the only way you're going to know if there's any promise here, if there's any click. Otherwise, it's waste of everybody's time and emotional energy, honestly, right? So it's really, I think it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are. 
if the other person hasn't suggested, if you, again, want to take this seriously and want to increase your chances, then just suggest it. And, you know, it's, of course, okay if the other person says, I am really busy, maybe not this week and next week. But if they start saying that again and again and they start wiggling, you know, not replying or wiggling out of the answer or keep postponing, you have your answer. And I imagine, like, because I find when I'm messaging with someone, I feel myself starting to project these imaginary qualities onto them, which is obviously very unhelpful. I'm assuming that's why messaging back and forth is just not a helpful way to go. That's one of the big reasons. And there's actually some interesting research about that as well. We absolutely create this, you know, imaginary, it's called halo halo effect. We create um, this image, a perfect image in our head, and we are more likely much more likely to get disappointed because nobody can live up to this, you know, fantastical image. <laughs> and I know, um, I know, Monique had one final question. Okay, so, so this is something that I struggle with. Okay, I meet a a guy in a bar and I feel I can present myself quite confidently, and we get talking. And then my hope is that they get to know me, they get to know my situation, and then they say. Once, you know, it's it's clearly more than just meeting in a bar. They then find out that I have four children aged between 8 and 12. Now, I would hope that any normal guy would go, whoa, that's a lot of baggage because it is. And in a way, I would kind of be surprised if they were so instantaneously accepting of that. Yet at the same time, I would expect that they'd be open-minded because everybody's situation is unique. And I think it was in the context of ghosting. Amantha and I were talking about when do you get ghosted? And she's like, oh, can't really pinpoint it. The conversation just fizzles off. I said, I find I mostly get ghosted when they ask me how many children do you have? So so what is, what is too much to reveal? Again, wonderful question. And that comes in play in all kinds of situations, because, you know, what I want to emphasize is we all have baggage. I mean, you know, you might say, oh, that's a lot lot of baggage is for kids, but that's also something that makes you a really interesting person who obviously, you know, has has juggled so much in her life. So, you you know, immediately somebody might think, oh, my God, she's amazing. She's able to have, you know, a career and four children. And, you know, imagine what kind of uh, qualities she must bring to the world, right? She must be full of energy and incredibly capable. And so everything can be interpreted in in different ways, depending on where you're coming from. That said, um, again, because so many cues are missing from texting, unless directly asked, I think that some of these somewhat bigger revelations are best left for meeting again i would i would normally say face to face meeting now we can say zoom meeting you know i just think again that that any of these more revealing more intimate pieces of information you know i just better um communicated and received when we can see each other's facial expressions so that's i mean kind of again rule of thumb there are exceptions but i i would say but if the rule they of ask thumb. you yeah. directly i guess you have well, to well then answer. you have to yeah i mean well you don't you don't have to i mean people do lie but of course that's not ever a good idea because people will find out the truth eventually right so especially yeah, with uh, my four children you can hear them from the next neighborhood <laughs> that's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that you could you could just be like a politician Monique can just evade the question and answer the question you want to answer. (laughs) That's true. That is true. (laughs) 
We are so out of time. That has flown by. I I just want to say thank you so much for your time and insight. Monique and I are definitely going to be better off. So, Monique, I loved that chat. I want to know for you, what's what's the biggest takeout for you from that interview? I would have to say what resonated with me was her suggestion that we contain our search to maybe one or two apps. I think that really resonated with me for the simple reason I find that even if I find a potential suitor that really hasn't, you know, showed any signs of not being so, I kind of can tend to lose interest because I've got seven or eight going at once. How many apps are you on at the moment? Oh, several. You know, sometimes I'll focus on one, sometimes I'll barely focus on four. But I think now I'm going to contain it to one or two and just really make a pact with myself to be a committed data, to follow these communications through. I think for me, the thing that I found most encouraging was about Zoom chemistry translating to real life because right now we're in Melbourne, we're in lockdown, we're not allowed to go on face-to-face dates and I've been doing a lot of Zoom dating and I do always question how does the chemistry translate, will it translate? So I I like that she felt very confident that it would. Yeah, and I think that's really important for us to have that confidence because we are in lockdown. We probably are having multiple Zoom dates with the one person. So we can really maybe perhaps build a false sense of who that person is if it isn't translatable and get in too deep, so to speak, and then be really disappointed in real life. So it's reassuring to know that perhaps that won't be the case. So one of the things that we're going to do with How to Date is that Monique and I are going to have a regular segment called the Hot Tip Segment, where one of us will share something that has been a super valuable strategy or technique that we've been using in our own lives. So Monique, I've got something to share today. Okay, good. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, I don't think I've had any successful techniques this week. <laughs> so I want to hear your tip. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that I struggle with is that I've been doing a lot of Zoom dating and I can pretty quickly see if there's a spark there or feel if there's a spark there, but then it gets really awkward to end it. I find that they sort of Like most of my Zoom dates have been going for about an hour or so. Right. That's a long time. That's a long time, particularly if you know that there's no spark. So to be a bit more efficient with the Zoom date, my hot tip, and I haven't tried this yet. This is more something I'm going to try this week. And I don't don't know quite how I'll frame this at the beginning, but almost to make a game of it, to say to the guy, okay, it's going to be really obvious as to whether there's spark or not in the first few minutes. So why don't I set the timer on my phone for 10 minutes and then at 10 minutes we can just have an honest chat about whether we want to continue beyond 10 minutes. I love that. You know, I'll tell you why I love it. A, it's efficient, but I also like it because it's just something you would not do in your 20s. It's very assertive and I think that's actually very sexy So I and, and it's fun. It's playful almost. So I'd love to see how you go and I'd be interested to see what that does to the guy and how he feels being put on the clock, so to speak. Yeah, I know. I'll have to report back on that one. And I appreciate your feedback. Assertive and sexy, they're good words. Um, I'm hoping it's not offensive. (laughs) No, not at all. I think that people like to not have their time wasted. 
Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, I'm going to report back on that one. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from, and we will see you next time. See you soon.